It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Joining us here at the table is the former governor of New Jersey and Republican presidential hopeful Chris Christie. Governor, thank you so much for joining us at the table. Joe and Marie, thanks for having me. We're going to actually cover some ground. We hope to talk policy with you, which I know is not always something that you're used to. (laughs) But I want to just begin with the broad scope here of this campaign and your campaign specifically. You've gone out of your way to make it clear that you're the guy who's going to go after Donald Trump. You've been punching him in the nose rhetorically for several weeks here. You're saying things that other candidates simply will not say about the front runner. But how about you? How do you solidify your brand as something more than just anti-Trump? Well, it isn't. It's about two things. Uh, it's first about the truth. The truth matters. And Republican primary voters deserve the truth. They haven't gotten it from Joe Biden as president, and they haven't gotten it from Donald Trump either. And so part of it is just about telling the truth. So you'll see today, whatever issues you ask me about, I'm going to just hit it right between the eyes and let you know what I think. Secondly, it's about delivering on issues that our voters care about. So the fact is that they care deeply about Obamacare. And Donald Trump promised them he'd repeal and replace it. He had a Republican Congress. He didn't do it. They care deeply about immigration. He said that he was going to build a big, beautiful wall, you remember, on the whole border of Mexico. Well, he built 47 miles of wall in four years, 47 miles. At that rate, guys, he would need 110 years as president to be able to finish the wall. He didn't get it done. He said he was going to balance the budget, as you all know, here at Bloomberg. He added $6 trillion to the national debt in four years. So what we want to be is the person who delivers on that. And I will tell you this. The last time we were in a situation like this in our country was in the late 70s. High inflation, energy crisis, disrespect around the world. Jimmy Carter was the president as opposed to Joe Biden. Biden said Carter's his favorite president. And what did we do as Republicans? We nominated and then elected a conservative governor from a blue state who knew how to get things done. That was Ronald Reagan. I'm the conservative governor from the blue state now who knows how to get things done. That's the brand. That's what we're going to be talking about in this campaign, about getting results for the American people and telling them the truth. The issue, of course, at the moment is that the former president is leading in all these polls, um, but he has all of these indictments surrounding him. You've been on both sides of a federal investigation. You, of course, were a prosecutor. You went after corruption. You were also uh, not charged, but you were under the investigation for Bridgegate. Out of all of these criminal 
defamation. What do you think is the most damaging to Trump? Well, so, certainly so far, the worst is the, the classified document situation, not only because he had our nation's secrets hanging out at Mar-a-Lago and at his Bedminster Golf Club. Think about the risk that that puts our men and women in uniform and our intelligence officers at as they try to do these things, difficult things around the world, defending and advocating for America. And he just has these secrets laying out there for anybody to see. And then he lied about it and obstructed the investigation and instructed his lawyers to lie and lied to his own lawyers. Um, those are some pretty bad facts that put a lot of loyal, patriotic Americans at risk. Um, now, we'll see what's going to happen with the January 6th charges that may come based upon the, the uh, target letter that he received yesterday and what happens in Atlanta. Um, and whether he gets charged there as well. So I don't mind that the poll numbers are where they are right now. You always would rather be in front than behind. But remember, at this time, eight years ago, Jeb Bush was ahead yep. of Donald Trump by double digits. Mm -hmm. So we know how that ended up. I want to ask you about the Republican rhetoric here in Washington about what could be another indictment and certainly those that have already been uh, dropped on Donald Trump. Speaker McCarthy, the Speaker of the House himself yesterday, said this is a reaction by the Biden administration to Donald Trump's polling surge in their effort to weaponize the DOJ against him as a political rival. Do you agree with that? I don't. Look, first off, because I don't even know what the charges are yet, right. and neither does Kevin. And so I would counsel Kevin that he should wait to see the indictment first before he jumps to any judgments. Now, it could be that Kevin turns out to be right. Maybe these charges are, are completely bogus and political, like the ones that Manhattan were. Um, in my opinion, that were brought by Alvin Bragg. I think that was a political indictment. And I don't think, you know, when you're the Manhattan DA, and I spent a good amount of time in Manhattan, um, I don't think charging somebody on a seven-year-old payment to a porn star is making Manhattan any safer. And believe me, Manhattan needs to be made safer. Republicans also say that Merrick Garland should be impeached. Do you agree with them on that? Well, I certainly don't know at this point whether he's told the truth or not regarding the Hunter Biden case. And I think that's where he's... There's some problems there with the U.S. Attorney Weiss in Delaware and Attorney General Garland. Let's see who's telling the truth. Um, if he did not tell the truth to the Congress, the Attorney General, or the U.S. Attorney, then either one of them, if they had not told the truth, should be removed. Mm. All right, so we're going to embark on something new here. We're going to talk issues with you. We'd like uh, to get into some policy. I may because, need a time out before we well, do this. Well, if you need a minute, we can always do that. <laughs> Let's start with the economy. That's important to our audience here, and we'd like to get to a couple of areas with you here. Uh, specific to inflation, do you think the Fed should stop hiking rates now, should wait for the lag effect to see what this unprecedented uh, set of rate hikes is doing to our economy, or, or do you just keep bashing this thing until it's down to 2%? Well, look, I think that they probably should take a bit of a breather um, to see what the lag effect is, as you said, uh, because what we're not seeing is we're not seeing inflation staying, we're seeing it drop. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that the Fed may have done its work already. And believe me, uh, as you know, they can ratchet it back um, up pretty quickly. Um, they have monthly meetings, and they can do that, and they can call a special meeting if they think there's some emergent situation they need to deal with. So I think with the Fed, it might be a good time to take a breath, because what we don't want to do, they, they want to have a soft landing. Mm -hmm. I think everybody in America would like to have a soft landing on this and not yeah. have a recession if we can avoid it. I was governor during the 08, 09, 10 recession, mm -hmm. and I remember how brutal that was for our everyday citizens. We don't want to go through that again if we can avoid it. Fed Chair Jay Powell was appointed by Trump and then reappointed by Biden. Would you consider keeping him on? 
I certainly would consider it. I, I don't have anything that I think Jay has done horribly wrong. I think that he probably should have started tightening sooner than he did. Um, I think he waited too long on that. But look, the Fed's an independent um, agency. Um, I, I'd like to keep them independent. I don't think, I'm certainly not an economist, and I don't think I should be making every one of those He's micro- not an economist either. He's a lawyer like He's you. He's a lawyer, <laughs> but he has a lot of experience in this area, a lot more than I do. And, and I, so look, um, I would consider everybody who's on board at the moment um, you know, and you have to evaluate them, each one of them, one at a time. And he's in the midst of a uh, of a term, a term also. So, you know, I'd want to be careful about that. But I think in the end, um, everyone's going to be judged in my administration based on their performance. Mm -hmm. They perform well. They do good things for our economy. I quite frankly don't care where they came from. Um, I just want to have good, competent people who actually get something done, as opposed to what we've seen the last number of years when government can't get out of its own way. How about the Inflation Reduction Act? If you become the nominee, this is going to be one of the things that Joe Biden is trumping as a major accomplishment, knowing that it'll result in the Hudson Tunnels in, in your state. We've been hearing Republicans, and it's comical, the president likes to point this out, who voted against the IRA, or in some cases the, uh, the infrastructure law, and champion the money when it comes home. Well, I, I would divide the two. Look, I think the tunnel money is coming from the infrastructure law, mm -hmm. um, and I would have been supportive of that. And we it's did, coming from the Inflation Reduction Act. Is it coming from the Inflation Reduction Act? And that just means that that's where they wanted to come from to justify the Inflation Reduction Act, because there's plenty of money. It's a trillion-dollar program, um, and I think they're giving six or seven yes. billion for the tunnels, um, and, which they should do. Because that's not just important for New York and New Jersey, it's from Boston to Washington. But the Inflation Reduction Act was a mistake. And don't take my word for it, listen to Larry Summers, who was Treasury Secretary um, back under Bill Clinton. And he is not a conservative by any stretch. But we had already spent too much money during COVID, money that we had to spend to keep the economy going. But he said in his op-ed in the New York Times, if you do the Inflation Reduction Act, we will have runaway inflation. And it's exactly what we had. And people are still suffering from that. So you don't like Inflation Reduction Act, but you like the $6 billion for the Hudson Tunnel. You, the $6 billion from the Hudson Tunnel should come from the Infrastructure Act. That is purely a political choice, Amory. That's all it is. Because you have a trillion dollars for infrastructure. Well, you couldn't get, get it plenty done of when money. you were governor. You thought it was cost too much money. No, well, what we did when I was governor was got rid of the old plan which was called the ARC Tunnel. The ARC Tunnel was not going to Penn Station in New York. They were gonna build a new billion dollar terminal underneath Macy's. The people, if you've ever been in Manhattan and done this walk, the walk from Macy's to, to the Penn Station is no fun in winter and in the heat of summer. Um, and by the way, New Jersey was gonna to have to pay for any cost overruns. New York didn't have to pay anything and the feds didn't have to pay anything. I gotta tell you the truth. I remember you campaigned on that for president as well. You wanted it to be equitable. Absolutely. It's gotta be, everyone's gotta, and what's happening now with the tunnel? 50% coming from the feds, 25% from New Jersey, 25% from New York. That's the way it should be. The people who benefit from it should all have a stake in paying for it. That's why I canceled that tunnel. And by the way, we did get Gateway done, planned and ready to go. All it needed to do was be funded on the federal side. It was already funded by New Jersey and New York. And that got done, and I give you know, President Biden credit for that. It was a good move, and Senator Schumer deserves credit as well. But we deserve credit for having come up with a new plan. They told us you couldn't go to Penn Station. We came up with a plan that did. So now people get a one-seat ride from New Jersey right into New York. That's what they need. Well, so it sounds like then you would have voted for the infrastructure bill. I would have. Bill. Yeah. What, what then would you say to lawmakers here in Washington, Republicans who voted against the bill but are actually running ads and raising money on the fact that they're, quote-unquote, bringing the bacon home? Oh, welcome to politics in Washington, D.C., Joe. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, 
That's why I'm saying I'll tell the truth about these things. I would have voted for the infrastructure bill because this country needed an infrastructure bill to upgrade our infrastructure across the entire country, our roads and bridges, our tunnels, our airports, um, our, our, uh, our infrastructure for Wi-Fi and all of the things that you need to have Internet access all throughout this country. Um, we needed to do that. And, and there are times when government has to do those things. I think the infrastructure plan was, look, there are things I would have done a little differently, mm -hmm. but presented with that bill, I would have voted for it. And I said so at the time. What about the Trump era tax cuts? Many of them still are living through the Biden administration. But one thing Trump did do that is hurting some local um, New Jersey folks is a cap on salt. Mm. Do you think that cap is appropriate? I do. And I said that as governor. I don't think that the rest of the country should be paying for the excessive taxes that we had in New Jersey and New York and Illinois and California. And because it could be deducted, you didn't feel the pain directly. And so, uh, you know, I think putting it at the cap where it is, I might have made the cap a little bit more generous. But uh, no, I campaigned for president saying that we should that, that we should get rid of that deduction, because what it does is it in, encourages people to increase property taxes, increase local and state taxes and have much less of an impact on their people. But everybody else in the country is paying for it. We're going to be hearing from a lot of terminal users on that answer. Yeah. I can guarantee yeah. you right now. How about did did you weigh in on the tax cuts? Would you allow the the Trump era tax cuts 2017 to stay in place? Yes, you would. would. With that said, would you keep the Trump era tariffs on China in place? Because this administration seems to think it's good business. We need to have a totally new approach to what we do with China, um, and I think the tariffs might be a part of it. But the fact is that what we have to do is get a lot tougher on China in general. Um, and we haven't done so from a military perspective in terms of our own preparedness. We haven't done so in the support of our allies. Um, we need to be even more strong in supporting Ukraine. That's a, that's a proxy war with China. China is funding the Russian army. They are coordinating with the Iranians to provide sophisticated weapons to the Russians they otherwise wouldn't have. China is watching us vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan. They want to see, can we hang in there and stick with it and stick by an ally, or will we cut and run? We need to be much tougher on that. So... Yes, you would keep the tariffs, or no? Because besides I'd the say tariffs, it's on the this table. administration is also doing export controls. Mm. There's going to be an executive order on outbound investment. The business community, some of them have been um, a little bit irked by a lot of this. But at the same time, they've really doubled down. I'd say the tariffs are on the table, um, depending on what the Chinese are willing to do for us. I think we need to start a new era of conversation with them, negotiating from a place of strength. So I wouldn't commit one way or the other at this point on the tariffs, because then I'm giving away one of the cards I can play with President Xi when I'm sitting across from him the first time we meet. So you like that leverage. We're just trying to find sunlight between you and the Biden administration's policy on China. You say you'd be tougher. Where does that place you on the matter of Taiwan? You mentioned that. Would we go to Taiwan's defense militarily if invaded by mainland China? I think we have to. I think we do. I, I think Taiwan is in America's, America's vital interests. And, and the fact is that you do everything you can to avoid that situation um, as very best you can. But in the end, when you look at certain things, and you talk about business, um, you look at the percentage of, of semiconductors mm -hmm. that are produced in Taiwan. Um, America could not do the business we do without Taiwan as a partner. Now, you know, you do everything you can as president to avoid that. And the way to avoid it is what I talked about before, is standing up and being strong, um, showing the Chinese that the juice isn't worth the squeeze to go and invade Taiwan, and that the status quo as it exists now is, is good for us and it's good, and it's good for them vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan.
So it sounds like, though, you, you would, if you say you're going to go defend, you would move away from strategic ambiguity. No, 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 no. That, that, now, that's a, different, that's a different question. The question of whether you, know, you have a one-China policy or not um, is very different from if China decides to aggressively go in and invade and try to take over Taiwan. That becomes different because that means they're abandoning strategic ambiguity, not us, Anne-Marie. If I, we could just end on one more. There's been a lot of difference of opinions amongst you and other candidates regarding Ukraine, mm -hmm. from a territorial dispute to Putin full-on invasion. Mike Pence seems to be the most hawkish. He actually went to Kiev. Is that something you would consider doing? Look, I think it's very important that um, whoever the Republican nominee is shows that we are going to stand with our allies around the world. The thing that's made America different stronger, better than any other power that we've seen in the last 500 years is that we create these relationships around the world and we stand with our allies. The Ukrainians are freedom-loving folks who got invaded violently and without any provocation. And we can't allow that stuff to happen around the world. And by the way, they're not asking for American troops. Mm -hmm. They're just asking for the ability to defend themselves. Those are the kind of allies we want and we should be able to provide them with the military hardware they need to be able to fight off an awful Russian invasion. Putin is an authoritarian dictator, and he's coming in there, and he's going to take as much as we'll let him take. He needs to know that ourselves and our NATO allies will stand up behind Ukraine, even though they're not a member of NATO. We'll stand with them and supply them with what they need. Would you be prepared to refill our own munitions stockpiles that have been drawn down to support Ukraine? You have to. You have to, no one's you, having that conversation. No, you can't leave, you can't leave the United States um, vulnerable um, to attack because of what we're doing. This is the investment we're making in making sure that we don't send American troops to fight another war anytime, anywhere. It's about being prepared to fight so that you don't have to. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.